And we're going to eventually get into, um, we're going to talk a little bit about us, then a little bit about you. But I think when we talk a little bit about them, our relationship with Ralph is very important. That being, you know, I call Washington, D.C. Mayberry because it's a very small town. I mean, we all like to think that we are at the pinnacle of power, but you know what? The people you are sitting next to today, and to those of you who are Ripon Society members, are the people that you've known 20, 25 years ago, and that's a really important thing to, to keep in mind. Okay, I just have three. Um, I mean, I'm looking out at this audience, so many of you, our LDs have worked on Capitol Hill, so um, I just have three pieces of advice. Number one, um, to Ralph's point, do no harm. As a legislative director, you would not believe how much a member of Congress counts on you to keep them out of trouble. So when, when there's a vote coming up on the floor and they're not exactly sure you know, whether it's how they're supposed to vote on it, what the reflection is in the district, what the press is going to say about it, they're going to need your advice in about 30 seconds. Here's what you know, side A says, here's what side B says, and here's what I think you should do. And, and that piece of advice is very important. So it's the do no harm. Tell the, the member exactly how you think that this, this piece of legislation that they're going to vote on or decide to co-sponsor or write themselves is going to have an impact on their career. And I think what you need to do as LDs in particular, because it comes more naturally to the press secretaries and it's something that the member has to deal with all the time. No matter what you say in every occasion, whether it's to sponsor, co-sponsor, debate for or against, when you give that piece of advice, put it in the context of my boss is now debating his or her opponent three days before an election and this comes up. Do I have the answer for why we took this position and how it benefits them? If you can't answer that question, then you have to go back because you will never know how many times we have been in debates when all of a sudden what we thought was sort of a, an insignificant vote or a vote that nobody could possibly be against or one piece of a vote particularly on a budget or something like that, that gets hidden, that gets pulled out. Knowledge is key, and you are the gatekeeper for your member for that. So number one, do no harm. Number two, always keep an eye on the district for your member. There are going to be times when your district is going to dictate something different, perhaps from the Republican Party, from other people in, for example, upstate versus downstate New York. Always make sure that whatever you're doing with the member, that you have a really good feel for what the men and women in the district, what the voters are going to tolerate or will not tolerate. That means you have to make sure you read the local papers, that you read the local blogs, that you are just as ensconced in that member's district as that member is. And thirdly, understand the member's interests. And, and I think for me, I always had legislative directors that really took to what I wanted to work on. And so even if it wasn't germane to my district, obviously the first thing you do is look for everything that you can to help your, your district, your state, your city. Um, but then if there were issues outside of that that you wanted to work on, help your member do that so that there's a greater fulfillment there and, and a greater opportunity for that member to advance in a specific cause. And I guess so, I guess it's four and not three. One of the things my legislative directors were always good at is watching the issues come up in the media if your member wants to get in the media. And if you see that there's a story that's being told that doesn't have a legislative solution yet, how can you capitalize on that? Because clearly if it's a story that's in the Washington Post or the New York Times or on Fox News or on MSNBC, and, and the member can then come up with a legislative solution or a hearing just on it or write a press release you know, condemning whatever the issue is, you're going to get covered then by Fox News for picking up that issue. 
So it's always good to kind of watch what is going on out there. For example, you know, um, after the, the Tucson tragedy, is there, you know, are there members out there, and I'm sure there are, I just don't know about it, who are doing more and more on mental health issues, you know, whether it's increasing funding or having hearings on. Clearly that's an issue that the press is looking to continue to cover, and that's a hook that they can use to help your member further their cause, but also to get the member out there as a national leader. Let me just close with this one story that I don't even think Jim and Ralph know about. And when I was a member in the minority, probably freshman, my LD came to me because he knew that I was very interested in issues that dealt with child abuse and, and sexual assault. So he became very friendly with someone in Senator Dole's office and had friends in the Justice Department. Now, at this point, it was the Clinton Justice Department. So my LD came to me and said, we're going to write this bill called the Sexual Assault Prevention Act, and it's going to have a whole host of, instead of the Violence Against Women Act, which we all supported, this is more sort of the tough on crime, Sexual Assault Prevention Act stuff. So Senator Dole and I wrote it. We had a press conference. And then years later, President Clinton wanted to um, introduce his crime bill, which failed on a because it was a closed rule. We picked pieces of that to go and try and negotiate. One was called Prior Rules of Evidence, and that was something that we would talk about all the time on the House floor, that in cases of rape and sexual molestation, that prior rules of evidence could be entertained and not deemed inadmissible. I mean, this is like, I'm talking seven years of a bill we introduced. It was a good thing to in relationships with Senator Dole. It gave Republicans tough on crime, pro-women talking points. It was all good. And then all of a sudden, we have this amazing opportunity to get this in the crime bill. I had to go and negotiate every day with Joe Biden, who was in the Senate at the time. And eventually what they decided was that they would put this, the language in, but it would be active, activated after the judicial conference voted on it, which we knew they would vote against. And by then, therefore, they would undo it. Judicial conference takes it up, they vote against it, but by then we're in the majority. So everybody kind of forgets about it because really it's a federal rule of evidence. So what does a federal rule of evidence really have to do except on federal cases? And, and we fought for it because sometimes it becomes a template for the states. Three years later, I was called by New York Magazine because the um, Monica Lewinsky um, uh, papers were opened up, and it turned out that that rule of evidence was used to allow Monica Lewinsky's testimony to be admissible in the Paula Jones lawsuit. So even though I wasn't even in Congress for the impeachment proceedings, it was a piece of legislation that went back seven years ago, a thought a, a poke, a, a, an interesting piece of legislation to develop a, a relationship with Senator Dole and get the Republicans on the map for being pro-women um, that led to <laughs> a little bit to the impeachment of the President of the United States. So I guess remember the district, remember the press, and if you do your job well, maybe you know, remember history. Ta-da, top that, Bill Paxson. <laughs> Not the first time I've been put in that un unenviable position of trying to follow my wife. Uh, it's, it's, and, and with my, one of our two daughters pre present. Um, again, Jim, thank you for having us here today. And Ralph, for your kind introduction. I know you've got other things you want to do. And it's a long afternoon. This has been a great program. I just want to do two things. One, I want to just follow up on the charge that we were given to talk for a second. When I was a New York state legislator, uh, our legislative staff and our offices consisted of nobody. I mean, we had to read all the legislation prepare. And I cast 20. 5,000 votes in my six years in Albany. Um, and, and so really, every day, you were just going to the floor and voting for hundreds of things. My rule, because I'm very conservative, very big believer that you know there's too much government. And my rule was, if one other person on the Republican side in the state assembly voted no, 
I would vote no. So I, was, I figured I was covering myself by having at least one other person vote no. And I can tell you, when I first ran for Congress in 1988, the ads were on the screen of hundreds of my really awful votes <laughs> against women, children, dogs, cats, you name it. Uh, so when I got to Congress, my uh, uh, then chief of staff, Maria Sino, who some of you have worked with over the years, gone on to great things, and uh, my other folks in the office said, Bill, that is not the strategy you can employ <laughs> and survive in the Congress of the United States. So basically we came to, my LD and I, uh, came to a, an understanding. And uh, my LD then is a guy named Dave Marventano, who many of you may know he runs a Fleur Corporation office in Washington Day. And he's had a great career, somehow survived working for me and moved upward. But uh, the fact is that we came to an agreement, and then Paul Scalise, who followed him, who's now over with us at Aiken Gump and used to be with the House Commerce Committee, we had an agreement. They understood philosophically where I wanted to be. They understood where I thought I needed to be on the issues. And, you know, they would say to me, do what you want on this, or here's what's coming up. And the only time they throw themselves in front of the bus is when I was going to cast a vote that was really going to destroy my potential to win. And they understood that in my district in upstate New York, that could happen any day because I was far to the right of my district. My point here is having a deep understanding of where the members really personally want to be. Not in every vote, but an overarching philosophical sense. Because then you can allow the members some leeway. And the other thing I learned was, and I'd start out as a county legislator years ago, that, that if you could rationally explain to constituents where you were and do it in a sentence or less, you were usually going to be okay. Even though, again, I was so far to the right that I was to the right of Dick Army, Tom DeLay, and Newt Gingrich in the House, but I came from New York. I could survive because my LD would constantly put those votes when they were really on the cusp and a tough issue and I might have problems, was able to synthesize it back down to an easy explanation for me to be able to go back to folks in my district and explain it. So bottom line is Susan's giving you, I think, some good, solid arguments and talking points and some ideas for an LD. But from my perspective, the key thing is letting the member be the member, not trying to make the member into something he or she isn't, but also helping them to be able to explain it and work it back home in their districts. And I think those are the important things. One other thing, I just want to do this for Alfort. I want to just talk about something that's not on the agenda for two minutes. It's called exit strategy. How many people in this room, LDs, raise your hands, expect to retire from their, the last job they ever had? They're going to retire as an LD in the house. If you do not have in your mind that you're constantly reviewing an exit strategy, you are going to be retiring someday from this job, but it ain't going to be your last job. That is not an exit strategy. Every day, and I'm sure it's true with Ralph or Jim, Susan, and I, and other people as I look around the room, we end up counseling folks whose members have suddenly left office for a variety of reasons, um, who lose elections, we lose a majority, something happens, they're out, and people come to us and say, where do I find a job? What do I do? And I look at these bios, and we all do this, and say, if you'd had a little time and thought it through, you could have better positioned yourself. And I just want to say for my friends who are LDs, you are right at the, in the center of all the action. It's a very intoxicating job. I've never said that I regretted being in the Hill. People say, aren't you glad you left? Never, not a day. It's a great job. But you can get so caught up in it, you never think, oh, where do I go from here? Just a couple of things quick to think of. Network is not about a TV show. It's what you need to do. If your entire relationships are within your office or a few people on a committee staff, you are not doing yourself justice. You need to network every day in this town, number one. Number two. Find a niche to market. In addition to all the other things you do, find an area that your member may be interested in or you may be interested in and dig deep 
so that when you get ready to leave, particularly if you're going to stay in town or even go back home and find a, a new opportunity, that you have a specific area that you are particularly well-versed in. In the past, good, I always, third, we always say downtown, writing skills are important. Writing skills are important, but the most important skills today are doing all these things and social networking, new media. So it's a little more of the job of your communications director than it used to be learning those areas and because on K Street, downtown, those are really marketable skills. Add value, very important. Continue to add value. Again, it's great if you're an LD and you're working for somebody who's moving up the leadership chain, but the worst thing in the world, in my opinion, and I can say this because I was a member and I had great staff, but they were smart enough never to have their last name be Paxson. You do not want your last name to be your member's name. You need to have a singular identity. So when the day comes, do you need to leave, you want to leave, or you have to leave, your last name isn't Paxson or your member. You have an identity, and you can add value to that all the time by whether it's additional education, volunteer experiences, or other activities. So you build out that biography. As important as that member is, when they are gone, believe me, they're gone. We've all experienced that. I always put a plug in for working on the political side. I think it's very important. And most of the people on my staff volunteered. I didn't have to ask them or encourage them. They went out and did the political work. And in this town, that's important. Um, make up a list. If you had to leave tomorrow, who would the first 10 people be that you reach out to? If you can only come up with five names on this list, you're not doing what you need to do to prepare. And last, uh, I said, last but not least, was don't make your member's name be your last name. I say these things because you're bright and talented folks. I know some of you, I'm sure, as I looked at the biographies and the qualities you bring to that member, you folks are really, really going to have great experiences, and many of you already do on the Hill. But you are not doing your member service, or yourselves, or your families, or your future families, if you haven't looked down the road also at an exit strategy. Okay. Mr. Hellman, sir. Great. We're going to take... <laughs> we have time for a couple of questions, but let me preface it with one addition. What I've learned, and, and Jim is actually uh, one of my role models, is be nice to everyone. Yeah. You can, I mean, ah. there are people who are sitting at the front desk in the office next to you, and, you know, they're going to be the chief of staff. Heck, there was an LD uh, that I was working with a couple years ago, turned out to be a member of Congress, Jamie Herrera. I mean, you just never know. Be nice to everyone. It's the right thing to do, but also in this town, it really just... You know, if you get a call, return it. You know, maybe you don't return it that day, you return it the next day. If you get an email, try to return it. If just be nice to everyone, that always works and always helps in the future. So we have a time for a couple of questions. Does anyone have anything for Bill and Susan? I, I right over here, Ralph. Ah, down here. Sorry. Brian. Thank you, Ms. Mose. Would you want to go back in? Go ahead. No, you go first. <laughs> Loved it. Greatest job in the world. Always wanted to be in the house since I was 10 years old. So I, you know, I don't, I, I, I didn't leave because I didn't like it. We left. We made a decision. You know, we wanted to have kids. As some of you who are old timers may remember, we did have the first and only congressional uh, uh, child. Uh, well, anybody to talk about um, when we were <laughs> we were married in Congress. Susan uh, del delivered our daughter, Susan Ruby Paxson, in 1996. Uh, we decided after that, look, you know, well, we both were, we both were multi-generational office holders. Someone had to break the cycle of government dependence, and we decided to go in the private sector. But the answer to the question is we enjoyed it. I think I can speak for both of us. A great experience. Loved every minute of it. And, uh, and no, we did not go back. Uh, closed the door on that uh, the day both of us uh, left. Although they, 
wanted Susan, the Senatorial Committee talked to Susan about running for the Senate last year, and I think if Susan would have won, she would have won in New York. But uh, you. Uh, that's... Uh, you know, it, there's so much of this job that in this town and, and politics and you know, government and media that I just love that... Um, but there's also that part of it that nobody appreciates, and I'm not saying it because I'm saying to the choir, of the time. And, and not just the time. You know, since I left, I you know, sometimes had three different responsibilities. But I do have some flexibility. And, and I, I think that 100% that devotion, which is really required. You know, I mean, if there's tragedies in Egypt and you have to you know, get together for a hearing to, to be briefed, um, you know, if there's, you're on a transportation committee and there's a, a massive accident, you, you know, you're going to go in no matter what's going on. So um, the, the calling. You know, it's um, to be able to, there's, you know, time certainly coming from New York right after 9-11. You know, it was at one of those times when you wanted to sort of, you know, pick up the pitchfork and, you know, run to the Capitol and say, I can, I can serve too. I mean, because of, of the work that you all do that is so important. Um, but because of the, the hours and the, the lack of flexibility and the people you work with, I mean, you know, you work, some, and, and to our point of, of, you know, being nice and having a good strategy, I mean, some of the people we work with are still our, our closest friends um, because I just think you get to work with such smart, good, exciting, nice people that you want to stay in touch with them. So I, I do miss the people. I do miss the pace. Um, you know, I, I miss the opportunity to, to see something on TV, you know, like this, all these stories of, you know, trafficking of, of young females and, you know, just kind of have to just be upset about it as opposed to walking in the office the next day and saying, what are we going to do about it? I mean, there's, there's that kind of ability to hopefully make change that you guys do all day that is a little hard to let go of but you know then we make change on a different scale question back there You know, I think a lot of um, just it's so funny because we have a we have, Ralph and I have a daughter Ralph, and Bill and I we have a, our daughters all go to the same high school and they just started high school and and in so many ways the things that they're concerned about you know I think are the things that members you know first getting started have to be concerned about and that is you know sort of those first couple of months not making mistakes um, and 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 finding out who your member wants to be is it you know. Is the member going to make his way, his or her way through committee, through leadership, through the media, um, through legislation, or through politics? And sometimes it's hard for a member to, to figure that out on their own. And I think they do need that feedback. And I think and that can change. But I think the sooner they get the feedback from somebody who has been on the hill, particularly if you're LDs who have worked on the hill, that kind of when I say high school, you know, the the way of well, here's who you need to call. Here's the relationship that I have that I'm going to leverage for you is really invaluable for a member who thinks they know it all, but really when it comes to, you know, being in the United States Congress, you know, in, in the middle of February, it's like starting high school all over again. And, and you can be very helpful in making sure that, you know, they, they, they're, they're assessing um, the right way to deal with people um, and the issues that come before them. So it's really I, just lending them your, I, your relationships. I think you've been given a much better opportunity for success than the class of 94. When the class of 94 was elected, you know, 95, many of us were involved, 100-day death march. Everybody was exhausted. It never ended for about two years. Uh, members didn't get home. Uh, it, was, it was really a And I was part of leadership. I'm not blaming, you know, anybody else. We were all there. Uh, and, but, you know, this leadership has learned from that experience. And I think this helps you. Uh, because you get a week off a month. 
the member gets to go home. You get a week off from your member uh, a month. Uh, I think that it's very important to realize that from, having been a campaign chairman, the biggest mistakes members make are when they're exhausted, mm -hmm. their staffs are exhausted, and uh, it's the beginning of the, the first couple of months that you're here in Washington. That's when the mistakes that the DCCC are going to bang right. to throw against the member down the road. So the most important thing you can do is slow everybody down. Everybody's got to do everything right away. Hey, we all want to change the world. But the thing is this. This is a process that grinds you down. And if you don't pace yourself and the member's not paced, they will be tired, they'll make mistakes, they won't focus where they should. The first, I know everybody wants to say you shouldn't worry about, you know, Dick and said, all oh, politics is local, that's the Democrats. Like, that's true. We want to focus on the big issues. But you get elected at home, and members need to be there. I don't care. Look at my voting record. You can vote any way you want, almost. I mean, the days that I was going to the floor, a couple of votes, literally my LD would throw himself in front of me, beg me, oh, grab my leg, stop me. There was some, but, but the important thing is to remember, you can't do a good job when you're exhausted, you're confused, and you haven't had the time ponder how are you going to tell folks back at home you know what what what's happening in Washington how you get it done so I think if you just keep that in mind and last thought on that score remember I know you know this I'm sure when that week or the time the member's gone they're not on vacation they're working as hard at home as they do here and a lot of times I'd remind my staff I'd say I know you're always right however I just was in the district and I'm exhausted can I just have a few minutes of downtime somewhere in this so Building some downtime into your member's schedule is a good way to keep them focused. And, it, and, and the one thing, and, and I know that that has changed too, but particularly when there was a larger age gap, you know, between members and their LDs, you, you know, you, particularly LDs never, are, are, sometimes you're the guy in the New York girl guy sort of way that have to tell the members things they don't want to hear. Um, and you have to be honest with them and you have to let them know what, you know, people might be saying about them or, or, you know, how this piece of legislation didn't work or where they may have made a mistake that they're going to have to come back and, and uh, rectify. It is very important that everybody, you know, in, in the staff, the press secretary doesn't really have any choice. The press secretary has to be honest because, you know, you can read what's out there. Um, but from an LD perspective, um, you, you, the one thing your member really deserves is, is your loyalty, and that's translated by being as honest as possible. And Susan, one addition to that, I mentioned to you about networking. You know, it's also important to make sure your member isn't isolated. You know, members, you know, some many like to sleep in their offices. They never get a chance to, you know, get to know anybody. The more networking, it's important for you. Why? There are going to be times, you probably have already had them, when you've got to do as Susan says, tell your member you can't do that. Or do you really want to do that? Think about it. If you have some other people, that they can talk with. You know, say, well, what do you mean? Well, let, you should talk to so-and-so. Here's somebody I've met that maybe can give you a different perspective on this. I think that networking can also help your member network and grow a bit also. Maybe one more question? I think, no, uh, uh, I mean, you want to say there are no stupid questions because what it means is your LA, your LD is really thinking on your behalf. And, and that is how you differentiate yourself in your, in your office. It's that person who, 
you know, really is sitting around at night thinking, ha, huh, I just came up with this great idea because I can't come up with all the great ideas. I, I mean, most of my great ideas were staff generated. So we really do rely on our staff to come up with those great ideas. I think where you lose confidence is if the continuation of ideas are non-reflective of the district. Um, there were times when I might have somebody on my staff who wanted me to be, um, and I came from a um, New York City, but it was you know kind of Reagan Democrats, a little more um, cops, firemen, teacher unions, um, and I might have a staffer who you know constantly wanted me to be much more liberal than, and thought because it was New York City that that was the way to go. And so the truth is, sometimes I would lose confidence in that one staffer because I'd be like, don't you understand you know the district? And it, so. It, no, if it's, if it's not ref anything that can get you in danger of home Great. and all politics being local, no. The one time I was concerned is when I thought I had a staffer who saw me at this level as in leadership and doing CNN and completely took their eye off Staten Island and, and part of Brooklyn. That's the only occasion. Other than that, I think in terms of here's a problem that may not you know, fit the, the ages of I mean, the prior rules of evidence was, you know, something, again, that I have a friend in the Justice Department who doesn't want me to use his name because he worked for President Clinton, but he thinks this is a real problem and a real issue, and we can, you know, jump on it. Wow. I mean, who know, knew where that was going to go? But just in terms of, of providing myself and then our party, we know it was sort of a mantra in terms of how we were, you know, protecting women and women's rights in, in an area where the Democrats were a little skinny. I mean, it, some people would have heard that and been like, that's just crazy. So no. no. I would just totally agree with Susan, as I always do. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it just, I want to make one comment before we close, and that is, is this, we, you know, I know you've heard from other people probably talked about this today. What this Congress is doing is so exciting for those of us who've been involved in the process. As I say, and many of us here were involved in the 90s and got that majority. You know, we had never been in the majority. We made a lot of mistakes. I think we did some things right, but we made a lot of mistakes. This Congress and this leadership team and the members have really figured out and learned a lot of lessons from that period. And I think that it gives us the greatest opportunity for success. And to have the House under Republican control with the type of leadership you have and the rank and file members, and particularly the freshmen walking in, who I think are much more, uh, uh, much better prepared than the class of 94 mm -hmm. for, for this process, I think is terrific. And as American citizens, for getting our, our role in, in, in this town today, the, what we do, uh, we tip our hat to, to those of you who are there on the front lines today. It's, it is, uh, it's just incredible. And as parents of young kids, uh, not so young, not so young kids, teenage kids, groaning, closing your eyes, my father's embarrassing me. Um, this is, their future is on the line. These are really tough decisions, much tougher than had to be made uh, during the 90s. And uh, we tip my hat to those of you who, we tip our hats to those of you who are out there doing, doing this at this very important time in history. Thank you. And, and I do, I want to thank Ralph um, for doing such a great job, um, and Jim Ripon. When we talk about all these things, if you have questions, if you have concerns, networking, Ripon has really grown into an organization that you can trust in terms of doing all those things, and we've been really flattered to be a part of this. And I guess maybe to go back to, to your question, to tie it in, when we look at this class and we look at this time in history, um, there are moments when I kind of wish I was back there, because I do think that... Uh, as a group, um, you know, this Republican uh, Party is going to make some very important historic decisions. So um, we want to congratulate all of you, you for being a part of it, and Jim and Ralph for letting us be a part of it Thank for you. 20 minutes today. So Thank you. you. Great. But, and Appreciate before Jim gives some closing comments and tells you what's next, uh, that, or that there's not much next, I want to thank you guys for coming. Thanks. Thanks, Thank you.